It's the Code St. Luke Telephone Broadcasting Service for Thursday, July 2, 2020. On today's episode, we have two storytellers from the Montreal Intercultural Storytelling Festival. Jan Blake presents a story called Big Rock, Little Rock, and Dan Yashinsky presents Stan Bolivan. We'd like to thank them for their contributions today and for allowing us to play this on the show. We think you'll enjoy it. We then have Nick Burgess, who will be performing Broadway Happy Hour. So stay tuned for that. On this day in history, July 2, 1937, the plane flown by Amelia Earhart and her navigator, Howlin' Noonan, disappeared in the Central Pacific Ocean. Earhart was just 39 years old at this point, and she'd been on a month-long flight around the world. She'd been reporting to the media along the way, so this was a big event. People were following her flight pretty closely. And it's worth mentioning that Earhart really didn't need to be doing this. She was pretty famous by then, and professionally she was doing pretty well. Um, She had funded her flying as a writer and as a lecturer. She'd even designed her own women's clothing line. And her publicity stunts were pretty lucrative. In 1935, she was paid $10,000 to become the first person to fly from Hawaii to mainland United States. And that's about $185,000 in today's U.S. dollars. And Purdue University even recruited her to run a career center of sorts for women. And she inspired many women to switch from home economics to engineering and other jobs in the aviation industry. Anyway, Earhart thought that she had one more ambitious flight in her before she was ready to spend the rest of the life on the ground. And so for her last hurrah, she began flying from Oakland, California to Miami, where she announced that her last flight would be to fly around the world. She took off on June 1, 1937, and throughout her journey, as we said, she reported back to the media about what she had seen along the way. But on July 2, 1937, Her plane disappeared in the Central Pacific Ocean. They were on their way to Howland Island after taking off from the city of Leh in Papua New Guinea. That is This Day in History. To present her story, Big Rock, Little Rock, here is Jan Blake. Big Rock, Little Rock, a story from Mali, given to me by Ben Haggerty, who received it from Sutigi Kuyati. Once, when rocks could still go hunting and human beings could understand the language of all of nature, Big Rock and Little Rock went hunting in the forest. Big Rock took his big bow and arrow, Little Rock, took his little bow and arrow, and off they went into the forest. They hunted all day. Big Rock was not as successful as Little Rock. Even with his big bow and arrow, he only caught five birds. Little Rock, with his little bow and arrow, he caught 10 birds. Big Rock was not pleased. They'd hunted so long all day in the forest that night began to fall. So they decided to build a fire and to sit sleep in the forest that night and make their way home in the morning. So as I sat around the fire telling each other stories, Big Rock had an idea. He said, Little Rock, why don't we divide the birds like this? Why don't we eat your 10 birds for dinner 
and then in the morning we'll have my five birds for breakfast. What do you say? That's a great idea, said Little Rock. So Big Rock and Little Rock, they plucked the birds, they roasted the birds, they ate the birds. The birds were delicious. Then they both went to sleep. The next morning, the birds were singing in the trees. The sun had risen. Little Rock rolled over and made a fire. And then very gently, he rolled towards his friend, Big Rock, and he whispered, Big Rock, Big Rock, it's time to wake up. If you give me your five birds, I'll make our breakfast. Leave me alone, said Big Rock. Sorry, said Little Rock, I didn't mean to disturb you. Just, just give me your birds and I'll make breakfast. You're not getting my birds, said Big Rock. What do you mean, said Little Rock? I I'm going to make breakfast. You're not getting my birds, said Big Rock. I'm taking my birds home to my grandmother. But you promised, said Little Rock. You said we would eat my ten birds for dinner and your five birds for breakfast. Change my mind, said Big Rock. You're not getting my birds. Little Rock was surprised by his friend's behaviour and he rolled closer towards him just to appeal to him. But Big Rock, suspecting violence, he rolled away. What Big Rock didn't know was that behind him was sleeping a huge green frog. When that huge green frog saw this rock rolling towards him, he leapt out of the way. What the frog didn't know was that walking through the forest at that moment, there was a woman. The woman had a basket on her head filled with firewood. Now, this woman did not like frogs. And when she saw this huge green frog jumping towards her, she screamed, she leapt out of the way, the basket fell from her head and all the firewood fell to the ground. Now, what she didn't know was that there was a hunter in that forest at that very moment with his hunting dog who had his bow and arrow trained on a deer. Now, you know how dogs feel about sticks. When the dog saw those sticks, he leapt. One of them had rolled towards his master's foot and he couldn't resist it. He bit down, but unfortunately not on the stick. He bit down on his master's foot. His master yelped with pain. He misfired. The arrow flew from his bow and instead of striking the deer, it struck a bird that was flying through the forest at that very moment. The bird was impaled against the trunk of a tree. The bird began to bleed, first little drips, then a trickle, then a stream, and then a whoosh of blood, a river of blood, which ran through the forest, out of the forest, over hills, down hills, through the gardens of the King of Mali. The King of Mali was playing with his children, and to his surprise, whoosh, they were washed away by that river of blood. The King of Mali was furious. He said to his servant, who has dared to bleed a river of blood and wash my children away? I don't know, said the servant. Then we will investigate, said the king of Mali. Come with me. And the king and his servant, they made their way, following that river of blood. They walked up hills, down hills, through villages, until finally they left those villages and found themselves on the path into the forest. They entered the forest, following that river of blood until they came to the tree. And there they saw the bird impaled against the trunk of the tree. Oh dear, said the bird, oh dear, oh dear. You bird, said the king of Mali. How dare you? How dare you bleed a river of blood and wash my children away? I didn't mean to do it, said the bird. I was impaled against the trunk of this tree by a hunter. Which hunter? That hunter, said the bird. So the king of Mali walked towards the hunter who was nursing his wounded foot. You hunter, said the king of Mali. How dare you shoot that bird, impale it against the trunk of a tree, causing it to bleed a river of blood and wash my children away. I didn't mean to, said the hunter. My dog bit me. I don't know why he bit me. You dog, said the king of Mali. 
How dare you bite your master, causing him to shoot that bird, impel him against the trunk of a tree, causing it to bleed a river of blood and wash my children away. I didn't mean to, said the dog. It was just the sticks. It was the sticks. You know how I feel about sticks. I'm a dog. I can't help myself. I didn't mean to bite my, my master. Sticks? What sticks? The sticks that woman threw. What woman? That woman, said the dog. So the king of Mali walked towards the woman who was just putting the last stick in her basket. You, woman, said the king of Mali. How dare you? How dare you throw sticks, causing the dog to jump and by accident bite his hunter, who misfired, impaling the bird against the trunk of a tree, causing it to bleed a river of blood and wash my children away. I didn't mean to throw sticks, said the woman. I was walking through the forest, minding my own business, when a huge frog came leaping towards me. Which frog? That frog, she said. I don't like frogs. The king of Mali walked towards the frog. He said, frog, how dare you? How dare you leap towards the woman, causing her to drop the sticks, causing the dog to be confused and by accident bite his master, causing that hunter to impale that bird against the trunk of a tree, causing it to bleed a river of blood and wash my children away. I, I didn't mean to, said the frog. I was sleeping and then a huge rock began to roll towards me. Which rock? That rock. The king of Mali saw two rocks arguing backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, one big, one small. Which rock? The big one, said the frog. You. Rock, said the king of Mali. How dare you? How dare you roll towards the frog, causing the frog to leap, causing the frog to surprise the woman who dropped her basket, dropping the sticks, causing the dog to become excited and confused and by accident bite his hunter, causing the hunter to impale that bird against the trunk of a tree, causing it to bleed a river of blood and wash my children away. It wasn't my fault, said Big Rock. Little Rock was going to attack me. I wasn't, said Little Rock. This is what happened, your majesty. Little Rock told the king of Mali everything from the beginning to this moment. The King of Mali was furious. He turned to Big Rock and he said, Big Rock, Big Rock, all of these events today are caused by one thing and one thing only, your greed, and for that you will pay. And he sent his servant back to the palace. He told the servant to come back with the stone cutter. The stone cutter came with his hammer and his chisel. The king of Mali said, split this rock in half. Split this rock in half so we'll understand that because of his greed, my children were washed away in a river of blood. Poor big rock. The stone cutter rested his chisel against his back. He held his hammer firm in his hand. He lifted it high in the air and he was just about to strike. And the king of Mali heard, father, father. And when he looked in the direction from which the voices came, who did he see? Smeared in blood, but his two children, who were being held, each by their hand, by another servant from the palace. When the king of Mali saw that his children were safe, and after he examined them and made sure there were no marks, no bruises, no cuts, no wounds, he turned towards Big Rock. And he said, Big Rock, you are lucky. You are lucky that my children are alive and well. But you must learn from this. You must learn that because of your greed, we are all here now. And he told the stonecutter not to split Big Rock in half, but to carve the story upon his back. He told him to carve the story of Big Rock, Little Rock, the frog, the woman with the sticks, the dog, the hunter, the arrow impaled against the bird that was against the trunk of the tree. He asked him to carve into the back of Big Rock the story of the river of blood that had washed his children away. When Ben told me this story, he said, in Mali, in one of the ruins of one of the castles, in that great, great kingdom, there is an archway. And above that archway, 
there is a rock and upon its back is carved the story of Big Rock and Little Rock. And that is the end of that story. Well, this is a story for you, but it's also a story for my mother, Palomba, because she and I were going to tell it together. It's a Romanian story, and my mom was Romanian, but we ran out of time, so we never did get to tell it together. So, Palomba, this is, this is for you. So, once something happened. If it hadn't happened, how could I tell you about it? It was a long time ago, so long ago, that the good old days were still to come. And there were two farmers, and they were married to each other, Stan Bolivan and Fici. You know, the old stories always say there was a farmer and his wife. Excuse me, she was a farmer too. And they lived together, they were happy. They had a dog named, named uh, Mishi, Mishi Gas. And, and I brought my dog here too, but maybe you'll hear her later. Anyway, they lived together, they had a nice farm, everything was good, they were happy. Until one day something happened. If it hadn't happened, how could I tell you about it? Stan Bolivan comes into the kitchen, and there's Fici stirring the mamaliga with her wooden spoon, which is like polenta made out of cornmeal. And she's crying into the mamaliga. He says, my darling, why are you crying? And she said, if I tell you, you'll cry too. He said, no, I won't. Yes, you will. Well, next day, she's making the ikre with, the, with fish eggs. Darling, why are you crying into the ikre? They're already salty, she said. If I tell you, you'll cry too. No, I won't. Yes, you will. Next day, she's making the salata de vinite with eggplant and onion, and she's crying and crying, and she says, why are you crying? If I tell you, you'll cry too. No, I won't. I'm a tough Romanian farmer. She says, so am I. I'm a tough Romanian farmer. And if I tell you, you're going to cry. I won't. You will. I won't. Anyway, back and forth. And finally, she said, all right, I'll tell you why I'm crying. We love each other. We have a nice farm. We have a lovely dog, but we have no children. So Stan Bolivan started to cry too. So he cried, she cried, she cried, he cried. This story could last a long time, but I'll just tell you what happened next. All of a sudden something happened. There was a knock at the door. And Stan Bolivan stopped crying. He went to the door, he opened the door, and there were three travelers standing there in the rain. So even the sky was crying in the story. So standing there, and he says, come in, come in. They said, is a, is a stranger welcome here? And Stan Bolivan said, a guest is a gift from God. Come in, my friends. And they came in, took off their cloaks. She served them mamaliga. Stan Bolivan poured a little sliver of it. And they tasted the mamaliga. It's excellent. It's delicious. Just enough salt. And she said, de bine. It should do you good. And, and that was nice. They stayed the night. In the morning, they got ready to leave. They came to the door. Stan Bolivan said, thank you so much for staying with us. A guest is a gift from God. And they said, not everybody believes that anymore. You know, some people try to build walls instead of bridges nowadays. And Stan Bolivan said, they're crazy. Anyway, next time you're passing by, stop in. And they said, look, we'd like to give you a little gift. He said, there's no need for a gift. I just did what everybody else would do. Welcome the stranger. They said, no, we're going to give you a gift. First one said, make a wish. San Bolivar said, all right. Didn't have to think much about it. He said, I'd like to have children. Second one said, what's your second wish? He said, more children. The third one said, and what's your third wish? And be careful what you wish for. He said, more children. 
and he walked them down the end of their lane, and by the time he turned back to the farm, he heard the sound of children laughing. There were 100 children, about three years old, and they're all running towards him, yelling, Papa, 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 and the border, Mishi was a border collie. She's running back and forth, trying to hurt the children a lot. That's a lot of children. And he looked at them all running towards him, and he thought, Dakai ball, ball, Sophia. If you're going to have a ball, have a ball. And life went on, and he and Fiji were so happy. A hundred children. If you've never had a hundred children, you have no idea how much joy they can bring, how much joy they can bring, until one day one of them came and said, Daddy, we're hungry. Papa, we're hungry. And the other ones came, yeah, we're hungry, Papa. Then they got cranky, hundred cranky children. And his wife said, you made a wish, the wish came true, and now the rest is up to you. You're the father, go find a way to feed our children. And Stan Bolovan thought, yeah, it's up to me. You can't chew with someone else's teeth. I have to do it myself. And he whistled up, uh, Mishi, this is how. And the dog came and, and away they went. And they traveled far. They traveled very, very far. They traveled so far, they passed the back of beyond. They turned left on the other side of nowhere. And they finally came to the end of the world where what is, is mixed with what is not. You know, I tried to find it one time on Google Maps and it fried my hard drive. Anyway, Stan Bolivan comes to the end of the world. What does he see? A shepherd with many, many, many lovely sheep sitting by the fire, eating a piece of brinza cheese with sheep che and eating some bread and crying. And Stan Bolivan thought, well, it's like everybody's going to cry in this story. He comes up, he says, why are you crying, my good man? Buonasera, good evening, but why are you crying? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I tell you, you'll cry too. You're not going to believe what happened. Every single night a dragon comes over the end of the world and steals my fattest ewes. My fattest ewes. And I can't do anything. Can a man fight a dragon? And Stambolavant said, so you have a ewe problem. You're losing ewes. Yes, I'm losing my ewes. Well, ewes have a big problem with no ewes because you need your ewes. Yes, yes, I need my ewes. So he says, well, what would you give me if I got rid of the dragon for you? Me and my dog, my dog Mishi. Oh my gosh, if you could get rid of the dragon, but you can't, of course, a man cannot fight a dragon. If you got rid of the dragon, I would give you enough sheep to feed a hundred hungry children. And Stan Bolivan said, I'll do it. And, the, and he said, when's the dragon coming? He said, in about five minutes. He says, you, you have the rest of the cheese, take the bread to it. It's your last meal on earth. I think you're nutsy fruitsy to try to fight a dragon. Away goes the shepherd, Stan Bolivan takes a bite of the cheese, gives some to his dog, a little bit of bread, puts the rest in his pocket, because at that moment, he heard a terrible, terrible noise coming from the other side of the end of the world. You want to know how bad it was? It was so bad and so terrible, I don't even want you to try to imagine it. Because over the end of the world came a dragon. Now, this was the biggest dragon Stan Bolivan had ever seen. In fact, it was the only dragon he'd ever seen, but it was very big. Came over the end of the world, landed in the field, started to reach out its claws to grab a ewe, and Stan Bolivan, instead of running away, he took his courage in both hands and he started to walk towards the dragon with his dog. And the dragon looked at him like a calf stares at a new gate. He saw this man walking towards him. So, who, who are you? And Stan Bolivan said, yeah, who am I? I am Stan Bolovan, Stan Big Rocks. You've been stealing my ewes, and you owe me money. 
well, I never heard of you. Who are you? He said, I'm the strongest man in the world. My dog is the strongest dog in the world. And my wife, Fiji, is the strongest woman in the world. In fact, you're so lucky she's not here with me right now because if she had come with me right now, she'd be walking home in dragon skin slippers under a dragon skin parasol. Dragon was pretty worried. He said, well, how strong are you? And Stan Wolovan said, I'm so strong I can squeeze cream out of a stone. He reached into his pocket and took out the piece of cheese. Watch this. <coughs> cream everywhere. And the dragon said, oh, my gosh, you're strong. And he said, yeah, well, can you do that? Dragon picked up a rock, squeezed it. Just dust came out of the, out of the rock. And Stan Wolovan said, you are nothing but a big papalopte, a big milk sucker, a big baby. You can't even squeeze cream out of a rock. Now pay me for the use. Oh, well, I don't have the money. I left home without it. My mummy has it on the other side in Dragonland. You'll have to come with me. And Stan Bolovan said, all right, I'm coming. Whistled up his dog, up on the back of the dragon, whoop, over the end of the world. They came to the dragon mother's house. Dragon said, you wait here. Goes in and he says, mama, the strongest man in the world is waiting outside, Stan Bolovan. He can squeeze cream from a rock. Mother said, I never heard of no Stan Bolovan. He said, bring him in. So he goes in with the dog and he goes, he says, look, if you can do three jobs for me, you have to be very strong to do them. You have to throw a club, you have to haul water, and you have to, you have to bring back firewood. I'll pay you seven bags of gold for each chore you do. He went to sleep that night. Now, did, did I mention why she needed use every, every night? I don't think so. Can, you want to know why? Okay, Dan, why? I'll tell you why because she bathed in the sheep's milk and she said it was very good for her wrinkles because it had antioxidants. I'll tell you the truth, she, it really didn't do much for her wrinkles and I don't even think she knows what an antioxidant is and neither do I. But anyway, no sheep's milk, no nothing that night and Stan Bolivon is sleeping over there but he, he didn't sleep too well. Next morning, she says, this club, this big iron club, his granddaddy made it. And now you have to throw it in the air. Whoever throws it the highest gets seven bags of gold. They go outside the dragon, whoop, about two kilometers up, poof, big crash on the ground. And he says, now it's your turn. And Stan Bolivan went to one end. He put his hand on the iron club. The dog came around, put her paws on the other end. And Stan Bolivan said, no, just wait, just wait. And he looks up, he looks up. And the dragon said, what are, you, what are you looking at? He says, I'm waiting for the moon to pass over. I don't want to knock the moon out of the sky because that's how high I'm going to throw it. He says, no, no, don't do that. I, I don't want to lose my club and I don't want you to knock the moon out of the sky. I'll tell you what, I'll throw it and say you threw it higher and you get the gold and the moon stays up. There. Yeah, yeah, that's all right with me. So anyway, he gets seven bags of gold that night. Second chore, uh, haul water, big buffalo hide buckets. Dragon takes a couple, boom, boom, boom. Stan Bolivan couldn't pick one up with... Even with 100 children, he couldn't pick it up. So he calls his dog over and he says, here now, Mishi, come, come, come over here. Bill's coming up. He says, uh, <coughs> dig. And the dog starts to dig by the side of the well. The dragon comes back. Come here, Jilzy. Up. Good girl. Up. Come on, this is, this is, that's what, oh yeah. <laughs> Get off the way. <laughs> I'm telling the story. <laughs> and the dragon. He says, what are you doing? He says, I'm not going to waste my time carrying one bucket at a time when I can just take the, take the whole well. So my dog's digging it up. Oh, no, 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 don't do that. My granddaddy dug that well. Here now, I'll, I'll carry it. Say you carried more, you get the gold. That's exactly what happened. Seven more bags, that's 14. Third chore the next day, it's... Uh, the third chore is to uh, carry firewood. Dragon goes into the forest, rips up a tree trunk, takes it home. 
and uh, and and Stanbul Avan, he he takes a, a, a rope made out of vine and he and he climbs up a tree, ties it at the top, gives it to to Mishi. She runs over, he climbs up another tree, runs over. They tied about thirty trees together at the top. Dragon comes back and says, "What are you doing?" He says, you don't expect a man like me, Stan Bolovant, to waste my time carrying one little twig at a time back and well, I'm going to tear the whole forest down. He says, no, no, my grandpa planted that. You can't tear it all down. Says, I'm going to, I'm the kind of three. No, I'll carry the wood. You get the gold. All right. Well, that night he, he didn't go to sleep. He waited at the door. He listened because the dragon's mother said, that man is too strong for us. You have to go in tonight and kill him with, with, with your grandpa's iron club. And when Stan Bolovant heard that, he took a pig's trough and put it in bed and then a little trough for, for the dog, made it look like they were both sleeping there, and covered them both up with a blanket. And he went under the bed with his dog and they were waiting, they were waiting. The door opened and in tiptoed the dragon. Mm -hmm. You have to picture it. <laughs> Tiptoeing dragon. Yeah. So make a good cartoon. Anyway, here comes the dragon. Smashes it down on the trough. And, and goes out, and then he and his mother drinking Slivovitz all night long. We got rid of the strongest man in the world. And Stan Bolivan comes out the next day, rubbing his forehead. And they said, how, how did you sleep last night? He said, terribly. I think a flea bit me on the forehead. <laughs> Mama, I hit him on the head with, with, with a thousand pound iron club, and, and he thinks a flea bit him on the forehead. And Stan Bolivan said, I'm leaving you now. I'm taking all of your gold. Yes, yes, they said. And he said, pile it up for me. Yes, yes. Now put it on your back. Yes on the dragon's back, and he and, and Mishi got on top, and, they, and the mother said, don't ever come back. He said, I don't plan to, and whoops, over the end of the world they go, right over the shepherd. And he looked down and he said, hey, it's just this way, the sheep, that could, don't forget, yes, yes, I'll bring them now. So anyway, landed not too far from his farm, and then he thought, I'm in big trouble, because when this dragon looks around and sees it's a little farm, and my wife's a little woman, and I'm not so big, actually, I'm, you can't see, I'm, it's about the same size as me. He had glasses, he had a little nice red scarf, everything. Anyway, he said, the dragon will know that I've been faking. I've been selling him donuts, Vindigogosi. I've been selling him donuts all this time. I don't know. And indeed, he stopped. He said, now, unload here. I, I don't want to be embarrassed by bringing such a small amount of gold back to my farm. They'll laugh at me. And the dragon started to look around, and he saw. That farm down the laneway was not so very big. And Stan Bolivan was pretty small, and he thought, you know what? He almost uh, threw the club. He almost dug up the well. He almost tore the forest, but he never did. Just squeezed cream from a rock. I'm not sure about that. Anyway, luckily at that moment, a hundred hungry children came running towards Stan Bolivan yelling, Papa, Papa, and they had knives and forks in their hands, and they said, we're so hungry we could eat a dragon. And when the dragon heard that, he started to fly away, and he flew so far, he flew into a whole other story quite far away from mine. And that was the end of the dragon. <laughs> now, what happened to Stan Bolivan and his wife? And they had a nice meal, and then the shepherd showed up. They had a nice barbecue, and the kids got a lot to eat. Everybody was happy. And, uh, and they danced the hora all around the farm. And then, uh, you know, guess what? The kids grew up. Every single one of them became a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. <laughs> And they all lived happily ever after. And that's the story of Stan Bolivan. I dedicate it to my mother. Here's the moral of my story, as all Romanian children learn. If you're going to tell a lie, tell a beautiful lie. And here's what I learned as the storyteller. If you want to tell a story with somebody that you love, you better do it while you still can.
The following is brought to you by Recreation CSL and is an excerpt from Broadway Happy Hour with Nick Burgess, presented by the Siegel Center for Performing Arts. How's everyone doing out there? Did you all have a great week? How about a little bit of Finian's Rainbow? This is one of my favorites from that show. This is Old Devil Moon. I look at you and suddenly something in your eyes I see soon begins bewitching me it's that old devil moon that you stole from the skies it's that old devil moon in your eyes you and your glance make this romance too hot to handle stars on the night blazing their Same composers, the Sherman Brothers, wonderfully talented. So this is a super cute song from Bedknobs and Broomsticks, and once you hear it, it'll be in your head for the rest of the week, I guarantee it. So this is the beautiful Briny Sea. How pleasant, bobbing along, bobbing along on the bottom of the beautiful Briny Sea. What a chance to get a better pain. It's lovely. 
singing a song on the bottom of the beautiful briny, shimmery, shiny, beautiful briny sea. <laughs> now, in every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. You find the fun and stack. The job's a game, and every task you undertake becomes a piece of cake, a lark, a spree. It's very clear to see that a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, the medicine go down, the medicine go down. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Please. 
receive. And that good people is why he gobbled up and dropped by with sixty elephants, llamas galore, with his pet bears and lions, a prize pot and more, with his forty fingers, his cooks, his papers, his birds, and more on key. Make way for Prince Ali. Oh my god, that is so hard to say. There's so many crazy words in there. Uh, why don't we do the following? Do I have any Learner and Low fans out there? We don't do very much Learner and Low here, except for, you know, um, uh, My Fair Lady. But they have some other great hits. We won't do too many besides My Fair Lady because they're not super well known. But we'll do a couple. This one I love. This is Camelot. made a distant moon all year. July and August cannot be too hot. And there's a legal limit to the snow here in Camelot. The winter is forbidden till December. And then it's March the second on the dot. By order summer lingers through September. Oh, 
thank you, Marty. And thank you to all of you at home. Ah, uh, this next one is important. Okay, so, of course, a lot's been going on for the last couple of weeks. And in my ongoing learning and relearning about how to, better, uh, to be a better ally, um, this is a, a new song for me that I'm going to do tonight. And it is by um, a singer, uh, music and lyrics are by Mickey Grant. So those of you who don't know who Mickey Grant is, <clears throat> in 1972, she wrote a musical called Don't Bother Me, I Can't Cook. And it was the first Broadway play to be directed by a black woman. And she was the first woman to write both the music and lyrics to a Broadway musical. So isn't that amazing? Um, so as part of my ongoing learning, I really wanted to do a song uh, by her tonight. Uh, and so this song is, is not from that musical, it's, it's from Working. And the song is called If I Could Have Been. And it's a fabulous, fabulous song. So you may not know it, but uh, I, I'm just learning it. I might make a couple of mistakes, but um, I want to really include it in my repertoire from now on and really uh, elevate and amplify um, the, the voices of, um, of, of the black community. So here we go. If I could have been. <clears throat> if I could have been what I could have been. I could have been something If what I could be had been left to me I would have been something A tower of strength, a center of power At ten bucks an hour Oh 
Look her up, she's amazing, and it's from the musical Working. Massive show tune, I want everyone to be singing it constantly. I remember the way our sainted mother would sit and croon us her lullaby. She'd say, kids, there's a place that's like no other. You gotta get there before you die. You don't get there by playing from the rule book, no. Stack the aces, you'll roll the dice. Mother dear, oh, we know you're down there listening. How can we follow your sweet advice? Two, easy street. Oh, easy street. Where you sleep till And if tomorrow I'm an apple seller too, 
but you double time, here we go. They're two of a kind, the happiest pair now. Like Fred and Adele, they're floating on there now. And what's the title of the dream that just came true? I don't need anything, anything, anything. I don't need anything but you. So I realized a couple of weeks ago that I was talking about buttons, but I don't know if everyone at home knows what a button is when I talk about big buttons. So at the end of a song when you go that last like that sort of like a lot of things happen on the button. Usually there's like a, 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 choreogra a choreographed move that happens. There's usually a lighting change. There's like an orchestral punch usually. Um, everything happens at once and it's called the button. Why is it called the button? I'm not really totally sure why. But yeah, big buttons Burgess. That way they, that's what they call me. <coughs> All right friends, so I thought we could do something. I've a lot of like different songs tonight, but that's okay. Um, there's a fabulous show out there called Jacques Brel is Alive and Well and Living in Paris. And it's all the Jacques Brel songs, but in English. Um, and there's a fabulous, fabulous song in there called If We Only Have Love. Um, but I'm gonna do it in French and I'll do one verse of it in English that I think is an important verse. So this is Quand on a que l'amour from Jacques Brel is Alive and Well and Living in Paris which is such a mouthful to say and to write. Anyway. <laughs> Here we go. Big Buttons Burgess. Especially Beefy Buttons Burgess, that's what they call me. Beefy Buttons Burgess. <laughs> Maybe Marty will sing along if I can get him to come out of his shell. <laughs> Here we go. Quand on a que l'amour à en partage Chemin, et for 
Pride Month. It doesn't, it doesn't really feel like it up here in Montreal. We kind of have our own thing going on up here, but in the States it's really big. So June is like Pride Month. Um, so this song is from Fun Home, and it's this, in this song, which is called Ring of Keys, there's a young girl who is having sort of her first realizations that she's different, and it's a beautiful, beautiful song. Uh, not that she's different, but she's starting to have realizations that she has attractions to women. So, anyway, it's a gorgeous song, Ring of Keys, fun on, here we go. <coughs> Someone just came in the door Like no one I ever saw before I feel I feel I don't know where you came from I wish 
wish I did, I feel so dumb, I feel. <coughs> your swagger and your bearing and the just right clothes you're wearing, your short hair and your dungarees and your lace-up boots and your keys all This segment of Broadway Happy Hour with Nick Burgess presented by the Siegel Center for Performing Arts and brought to you by the Parks and Recreation Department of Port St. Luke. Well, that is today's episode of the Code St. Luke Telephone Broadcasting Service and Podcast. Thank you to our guests and thank you to you for tuning in today. If you're listening on the 2 p.m. call-in, we have another special item for you. Have a great day. <laughs>